Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Let's go to the Word. Thank God for His Word. Amen? Amen. Boy, thank God He didn't just say, create us, put us there, and say, good luck with that. <laughs> he gave us instructions. Amen. Amen. Thank God for that. Let's go ahead and go to His Word this morning. Psalm 33, 1 through 11 reads like this. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him with a ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into the jar. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, and let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of nations. He thwarts the purposes of peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever and the purposes of his heart through all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Just a few moments. I want to pray for us as we dive into the word, but I also want to take a moment and pray for Pastor Matt and celebrate him. This last Wednesday night, he was ordained as a minister of the gospel. And it was such a cool, super cool night, man. Wednesday night was awesome. We got some pictures here of him and his good-looking family. And so he received the highest level of ministry certification within the Assemblies of God that we're, we're affiliated with here. It's a part of the Arizona Ministry Network. And there's certification, there's license, and then there's ordination. And so he received the ordination, which is a recognition of a lifetime call to ministry. And so that's, a, that's just something to celebrate right here. And so, man, congratulations to you. And uh, we affirm that in you, and we're just thankful to have you here. As long as God has you here, we're thankful for you and the ministry you do and how you serve. We appreciate Pastor Matt. So I want to pray a prayer of blessing on him as he steps into this season of life, as well as for us as we dive into God's word here a little bit more. Okay, let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Matt. What a blessing he is. Him and his family are just awesome, and uh, thank you for all they do to serve and to love and to help and just to pastor and minister to people. God, would you continue to anoint him? Lord, I'm praying for an increase of anointing on him and his life and uh, the gifts that you've given him. Lord, continue to stir up those gifts in greater ways, stir up greater faith in him. Lord, just believe in for great things, great future that you have for him with this call that you've placed upon his life. Would you use him in mighty ways here uh, here now and in the years to come, 
And uh, Lord, would you also, these next few moments, Lord, just speak to us. Lord, we, we recognize, God, that we all need you. We, we, we need your word. We need you to speak to us, Lord. We, we need you to show us who you are and how you've called us to live, Lord. So would you do that today? Would you make it even more clear to us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Give a hat, a hand to Pastor Matt one more time. Come on. Isn't that great? Oh, it's good to have all of you here today. It's good to see you, family. It's good to see you, Loby, little buddy here. It's good to have, uh, good to have my sister in the house up here. Yeah. And uh, just, uh, I'm, feeling, uh, I'm feeling a little emotional today and a little emotional in this season of my life. I might break down and cry a little bit today, if that's okay. I, just one of those seasons. I don't know if, you, I don't know if you're feeling me in that, but uh, just thankful for today. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that we could all be here today. And I'm, I'm really thankful for this series. This is a really good series for all of us, but very good for so many of us as we continue to walk through God's plan. We just honored Matt. He, you know, is called by God. I love that our network said several times, like, man doesn't call man to ministry. God calls man to ministry. We just affirmed God's call in his life. That's all we did. But here's a good news, too, is that all of us are called to ministry. We talked about that last week. You're called to ministry. You're called to ministry. You're called to ministry. You're called to ministry. We're all called to ministry. We all have ministry as priests today of the Lord. We are able to minister first and foremost to God, with God, and then, then he uses us to minister to other people. But we all have a ministry because we all are called. You are called. And so as we talk about God's plan in this series, we're talking about God's call, we're talking about God's will, and it's just important for us to know what is God's will for our life. Like I'm pretty sure that's one of the most important things for us to know and understand and walk in, God's will. Would you agree? So there's two aspects to God's will we've been talking about. If you've missed the previous weeks, go back, catch up. They're foundational, so important. But primary will of God is this, know him and make him known. That's the most important thing you and I need to go after, lean into in our life for the rest of our life, no matter what your job is. Know him and make him known. Number two is the secondary calling. That's the, the, the unique calling, the specific calling that you have in your life based upon your gifts, your passions, your values, and your experiences in life. And hopefully you know what that is and you're living that out and walking in God's call for your life. If you don't know... That's okay, because good news, God wants to help you. And I think it's important for us to have this posture of, okay, God, you have permission to always steer me, guide me, lead me, tell me to go right, left, you know, even change careers. God, I'm open. I just want to be in the middle of your will. I pray that that would be your prayer, uh, no matter where you're at, no matter what season you find yourself in life. And some of you may not know exactly what that is, and so... Hey, this is a good time to be listening to this series. Keep coming in the weeks ahead as we walk through ways that God leads us and shows us what his will is. But we got to start with Proverbs 3 because this is so foundational. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. So we have to start here. Can I actually trust God with my life? Can I trust him with all of my heart and the plans that he has for me. Can I trust that he will, if I lean on him, if I trust in him, that he will make my pastorate? It starts 
here, we've gotta have this trust. I'm gonna trust in the Lord. I'm putting all my trust, not in myself, but in the Lord. And so last week we talked about how God speaks to us through his spirit. Today, let's go to number two of nine. We're gonna talk about the word of God. God speaks to us. He reveals his will clearly to us through his word. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. You heard that? You ever sang that song before? It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is God's word. Psalm 33. We just read that. Uh, Pastor Matt just read through that. But let me just highlight a couple verses within that passage. Verse four, for the word of the Lord is right and true. What is right and true? The word of the Lord. Verse number six, by the word the Lord, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. That's awesome. Yeah. Did, you, did you catch the significance? Did you catch that? <laughs> sorry, sorry. <clears throat> Let me read it again. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. That's kind of cool. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Some people wonder, what's the big deal about the Bible? Why is this book important? Well, the reason is, is because this is the word of the Lord. This is God's word. Okay, not okay, I get that, I get that, but still, I just, I, so why, why is it so important? Okay, so those verses really highlight the power and the importance of God's word. Think about what God's word did. In the very beginning of time, God spoke, and what was nothing became something. Before anything existed, God then spoke, and now there were things, like the universe came to be. That's profound. That's like mind-blowing. That's even hard for us to comprehend that God would literally speak and something would come from nothing. That's the power, friends, of God's word. And oh, by the way, did you know that science tells us the universe is expanding right now? The universe continues to expand. Science has proven that. In fact, for years, scientists didn't want to acknowledge it because their fear was that this would lead people to actually believe in God, that there was actually a beginning to the universe, because that's what science has proven, that the universe had a beginning. Uh-oh. People might actually believe in God if we say this, so they kind of fought with that for a little while, but then, you know, eventually it's like we can't ignore science as scientists. This is true. This is accurate. There was a beginning to the universe. Maybe there was a big bang. And so I believe with all my heart that God's word is true, and that he spoke, and bang, everything happened. Like everything was created and the universe existed just by the power of his word. And what's cool is that his word spoken in the beginning of time that created the universe and the stars and everything, every living thing was so powerful that his word continues to reverberate throughout the universe and the universe continues to expand today. That's how powerful his word is. And the universe is huge. It's like, you can't even fathom, like, have you ever thought about getting in a spaceship and going in outer space? Like, you'll just keep going and going and going and going and going. It'll hit the end. No, I won't ever hit the end. I'll just keep going and going and going. Yet, somehow it continues to expand. 
I don't, how, does that happen? how does that even make sense? I don't know. But the universe is huge. It's vast. I mean, way, God created all this stuff way past Pluto, which I think is still a planet, way past <laughs> Vulcan and Asgard and Hoth and Dagobah and all of those incredible planets out there. I mean, that's, God created all of that, okay? Spoke it all into existence and continues to grow, okay? It's the power of God's word. That, my friend, shows us the significance of this, word, of this book right here. God spoke through humans, and they wrote, so we have the written word of God now based upon what he spoke. And this, these are the very words of God. You have the very words of God in your hand. If you have it on your phone, on your device, you have the very words of God in 130 different languages, which is pretty amazing, all those different translations. But God's word is powerful and profound. We need to get in this book right here. Understand it. So 2 Timothy 3 talks about this, this book, all scriptures God breathed. It came from God. It's God-breathed. He is the originator of all Scripture. And this book is useful for a couple of things. It's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Isn't that great news? We love the training part. We love the teaching part. But sometimes God's got to come and just kind of slap us across the face because we're a little bit stubborn. We kind of get stuck on our own ways. Okay, and I'm talking to, maybe it's the first service people, right? Okay, a couple of us, Okay. <laughs> But God, in his divine, loving wisdom, sometimes needs to rebuke us through his word or correct us. We've kind of veered off. He's got to get us back on track so he can make our path straight. But it comes back to, am I going to trust him in his ways and trust his word? Because sometimes he will teach and train. Other times he will correct and rebuke. We need all of that. That's the power of his word, though. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants to equip you for the good works that he has for you to experience in life. So God clearly speaks to us through his word. And I, you know what? The truth is there's some things that we don't even need to pray about because God already told us in his word. It's fascinating to me to see how many even believers will, will, will even compromise or think, like, I don't know if this really applies to me, or they'll pray about, should I do this, should I do this? But it's already clear, written in God's word. Billy Graham, he said this. He says, if you're ignorant of God's word, you'll always be ignorant of God's will. You want to know God's will? You got to know his word. That is a good quote, isn't it? I think I forgot that in the first service. That's good. So, there's so many things that are so clear in here, but I love it. In the New Testament, there's four times that God specifically says, this is my will. Oh, we better pay attention to that, right? Four times very implicitly, this is God's will. Jesus said this in John 6. It's one of the first ones recorded in John 6, words of Jesus. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the will of God that everyone would know, believe in the Son, receive forgiveness, relationship with Him, and have eternal life. That is God's will for you. That is God's will for everybody on planet Earth. Maybe you've never said yes to, to Jesus and following Him and putting your trust in Him. Please know that's His will for you. 
He longs for you to be in relationship with him so that you can have a life with him that starts now and then ends never. For all of eternity, you can be in relationship with God, your creator, your maker. This is the will of God. Pretty clear, right? Look at this one, 1 Thessalonians 4. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in passion, in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Pretty clear, right? So there's some things then based upon this passage that we don't need to pray about because God says, this is my will, your sanctification, which is a, a big Bible word that speaks to the process of spiritual growth that we are all on. Sanctification. Uh, to be sanctified is to be set apart. Set apart to be like God, to be holy. Set apart being different from the world. So our goal is to not live like the world, but to live like God. That's the goal. The more I live like God, by the way, the more I'm going to be living in his will. And so I'm sanctified. I'm set apart to be like God, to be holy like him. And this is a process. We're all on. By the grace of God, we can continue to grow day after day after day after week, year after year after year. It's a process called sanctification. This is God's will for us. Keep growing. And let's be specific. Paul says, let me just be specific about some things here. This means, as you're in this process of sanctification, abstain from sexual immorality. Each of you should know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Honor yourself. Honor other people. And live in a holy, righteous way. This is God's will for our life. And so people will think, is it okay for me to, to sleep around and, and you know, to, to look at certain things and watch certain things? And the Bible would say, if it leads you into sexual immorality, no. If it is sexual immorality, no. Because God's will for our life is sexual morality. To be sexually moral. Because this whole sex thing is God's idea, by the way. He invented it. He created it. It's great. It's amazing. It's free. It's fun. It's pure. It's holy in the right context. So God's will for us is sexual morality. So pretty clear though, right? It's God's will. All right. First Thessalonians 5, next chapter. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks and everything that happens to you in life. This is God's will. How are you doing with that? Rejoice always. Give thanks always. This is God's will for you. God wants you to be able to have gratitude no matter what you go through. It's his will. Second Peter. Submit yourself to the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether the, to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Interesting. It is God's will that you and I would do good by submitting and honoring the authorities above us, which is something we've all tried to do as best we can this last year especially, right? But this is part of God's will. And there'll be people who may come at you, who may be foolish, and how you and I live in an honoring way will eventually, may not immediately, but it will eventually silence their ignorant talk. Live in a way that honors the authority above you. 
This is God's will. Pretty clear. So there's, very, there's things in, in the Bible that God will just show us just straight up, things that we don't even need to pray about, guys. It's just right there. That's why it's important for us to be in this book, because God will clearly show us and lead us in how to live. This book is, is like a compass for our life. And compasses show us what? A compass is meant to show us where true north is, right? And that's a very important thing, especially if you're out in the wilderness. A compass shows us where true north is, and it helps you know how to go where you need to go. Now, if you're out in the wilderness and using a compass to guide you, and you look at the compass and you say, I disagree with you, compass. You are wrong. I'm going this way. You can, that's fine. Feel free to. You have the freedom to make that choice. You can argue with that compass all you want, but it's always going to point one direction, true north. This book will always point you one direction, true north. You can argue with it all you want. You can disregard it if you want, but it's still going to point one direction, true north, towards God, serving, following, loving him, and being in the center of his will. So it's important that we learn to walk in obedience to God's word because obedience to God's word will always put you in God's will. Obedience to God's word will always put you in God's will. Obedience to God's word will always put you in God's will. Man, the more I study the Bible, the more I see the importance of obedience. From the beginning to the end, God is all about just obey, 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 because that's an issue of trust. If I obey him, then I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart. It's an issue of trust, isn't it? So obedience, it leads me always into God's will. Think about Noah. Noah was told once to build an ark. Did it. How many times would God have to tell us? How many times has God have to tell us several things year after year after year and you're finally like, fine, I get it. Okay, God, I got it. I need to obey you in this area of my life. I'm messing it up. Let's just learn to do something that we try to train our little kids in, and it's this thing called first-time obedience. Oh, I read it. I believe it. I trust you. I will walk in obedience to this because this is your word. Your word leads me to your will. I trust you, God, and I want to be in the center of your will. It's obedience, obedience. So Romans 12 shows us how we can live this out, how, how, how God helps us with this. So Romans 12, verse 2, very, very, very important verse here. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform, but be transformed. God does not want you and I to conform to how the world wants us to live, calls us to live, to how our flesh inside of us wants us to live. He wants us to be transformed, and his goal is that you and I would be transformed to look like him, to act like him, to be transformed into his likeness. That is his goal. And how does he do that? By the renewing of our mind, by changing the way that you and I think. The more you allow God to renew your mind and change the way you think, the more you can do this next part of the verse. Then you will be able to test and approve what? What God's will is. Wow, this is fascinating. This, and oftentimes we struggle. God, what's your will? What's your will? Especially in regards to specific decisions. Because, you know, maybe you feel like I'm in the, the right calling, the right career kind of a deal. But then there's all these decisions I got to face within this, right? Big decisions, little decisions, week to week, day to day. 
And I need to know, God, what's your will in this too? It's important to know. Well, I want to make sure I, I make the right decision as best I possibly can here, God. What is your will? So here's how we figure that out. Let God renew your mind. Let God renew you. Change the way you think. God has to rip out some of that stinking thinking in our brain that hinders us from understanding and knowing the will of God. Our life is transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then you and I can test and approve. We can discern and discover what God's will is. And I just love that he describes God's will there. Let me describe God's will. It's good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. That sounds great, actually, doesn't it? God's will for your life is good. It's pleasing. It's enjoyable. You'll love it. God's will is perfect for you. Contrast that to the enemy's will for your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. That's what Jesus tells us about the devil. But God says, my will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. I want to be in that place, don't you? And so I got to allow God to transform me by changing the way that I think, by renewing my mind. And the word of God does that for us, friends. I love that Ephesians 5 references this, talks about this. Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. The word of God will cleanse you. It will wash you. It will clean you. It's, it's part of the major way that God will renew our mind so that our mind can be renewed so that we can be transformed. That's why, friends, it's so important for us to spend time in this book. And I pray that you and I would grow to love this book more and more and more and more and more in our life. My prayer for you is that you would want to spend more time with this book than you do sitting in front of the television or staring at any screen. My prayer for you is that you would look forward to doing a little Bible and chill more than a little Netflix and chill in your life. My prayer is that God would renew you, transform you, wash you in your mind as you get into his word. Maybe you're struggling right now with discerning what it, you know, the will of God, whatever it is. Maybe you're struggling with Anxiety, um, discouragement, loneliness. Maybe there's lots of thing, confusion going on. I challenge you today, spend an hour in this book. And you watch what God does. It's amazing how when we're struggling, we just want to sit in front of the television and just veg, right? When maybe the best thing we could do is just turn everything off, leave the phone in the other room, and just open up God's word and just spend an hour or two three or four, and you watch what God does in your life. I'm telling you guys, I can tell you till I'm blue in the face about how powerful this word is. It's one thing to hear about it. It's another thing to experience it. You spend time in this book, it will change your life. This book is living. It is active. It is God-breathed, and God will lead you, guide you, transform you, and show you his will for your life. Come on, we need to get more time in this book right here, okay? That's God's word. Number three, how God shows us his will is through godly counsel. Okay, and I'm about ready to help some people out here right here, okay? This is gonna be good. Godly counsel, Proverbs 1. 
The wise will hear and increase their learning. And the person of understanding will acquire wise counsel and the skill to steer his course wisely and lead others to the truth. Let's read that in another translation. A wise person will hear and increase in learning. And a person of understanding will acquire wise counsel. What's the theme of Proverbs? Be wise, don't be a fool. Proverbs 5, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. The context of that verse is specifically in reference to women he needs to avoid in his life. Okay, they're going to lead you into sexual morality, promiscuity. Void those women. Listen to what I'm, I'm teaching you right here. Proverbs 11, where there is no wise, intelligent guidance, the people fall and go off course like a ship without a helm. But in the abundance of wise and godly counselors, there is victory. Come on, you want victory? You want victory in your life? You and I need an abundance of wise and godly counselors. Proverbs 12, the way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Be wise. Don't be a fool. The fool, actually, that means to be rash, senseless, and unreasonable. Now that you know, you can actually be smart but not wise. There's a difference, isn't there? And, and for those who said, man, I was never smart, I never got good grades, there's still hope for you, you can still be wise. And for those that maybe it's like, I was always smart, I got good grades, awesome, but are you wise? Because there's a difference, right? Big difference. <laughs> the smartest person you know could lead you astray. The smartest person you know could give you unwise counsel and advice in your life. You could listen to the man who's got five doctorates, and you're like, oh, he's really smart. Five doctorates, that's amazing. And he could like, just wow you with his intellectual prowess and then say, there is no God. I know, I've studied, I got, I got five doctorates. There is no God. And you're like, what? Well, okay, you know, he's smart. He must know. He might be smart, but he may not be wise. And there's a difference. Now, mad props to anyone who gets a doctorate. That's pretty awesome, okay? I, someday I hope to get a doctorate because I'm hoping that people will even listen to me more when I get a doctorate, right? Because when you get a doctorate, like, people listen to you. It's like, it doesn't matter what the topic is. You know, I got a doctorate in, in crayon coloring, but people will listen to me. Because I just say something and put at the end of it, Dr. Renta, and people are like, oh, that must be good. So maybe someday I'll get there. <laughs> but... There's a difference between smart and wise. You know, there's a difference between experience and wisdom, too. So experience is learning from your own mistakes, but wisdom is learning from other people's mistakes. And we're going to have experience, but it's important that our wisdom is greater than our experience. So don't just learn from your own mistakes. Learn from other people's mistakes so that you don't have to make those mistakes. That's wisdom. That's seeking good and godly counsel. When you're facing a big decision in life, who do you talk to about it? Who do you go to? Do you have godly counsel that you can go to? There's a story in the Gospels, found a couple of times, it just fascinates me. King Herod actually wanted his sister-in-law, so he took and married his sister-in-law, stole his brother's wife. And John the Baptist was like, Bro, you can't do that. That's not cool. So John the Baptist called him out. And so Herod and Herodias, his new wife, former sister-in-law, now wife, don't like John the Baptist because of this, because he called him out. Well, one day it's King Herod's birthday, and the daughter of Herodias, King Herod's former niece, now daughter, 
is dancing for everybody, and she just is a wonderful dancer. Maybe she's beautiful. I don't know. But she, she, the Bible says she pleased everybody, especially the king. And so King Herod said, you're awesome. You're so good at this. Like, I'm so happy right now. Like, I'll give you anything you want up to half of my kingdom. It's yours. What do you want? That's pretty cool. Like, how many of you would love that offer right there? And you can begin to think, like, I could, I could think of some really cool things. I'll start with your palace. Dad, uncle, uncle, dad, who are, who are I don't know who you are. <laughs> and then maybe you can build me another palace on the Mediterranean so I could go there on vacation and, and maybe even live there. It'd be kind of cool. I mean, you could think of some really cool things. Like, up to half my kingdom, the king said, you can have. And she doesn't know what she wants. She's like, I don't know, I don't know. So she goes and she asks her mom. And her mom's like, I know what you want. You want John the Baptist's head on a platter. That's what you want. And she's like, oh, I do? Okay. And she goes back to the king. Okay, king, dad, uncle, king. I want John the Baptist's head on the platter. Like, who in their right mind would actually ask for something stupid like that? Like, she could have had so much, and she asked for a guy's head on the platter that her mom and dad were angry with. And so that's what happened. That's how John the Baptist was beheaded, was because of her request, going to ask counsel from her mom. And that's why you got to be careful who you seek counsel from, because you could be seeking guidance and counsel from somebody who wants to live their agenda for your life. And... It is not God's will. It's not the right thing. But you are living out the wrong agenda and the wrong will for your life. Be very careful who you listen to. Hmm. There's another story. Uh, back in the Old Testament, Israel was one kingdom. And then that, this king came into power. And he had this big decision to make. And so he asked his dad's advisors, who was, his dad was the former king, all these wise, godly counselors. He asked them what he thought they should do with this decision. So they gave him his answer. He didn't particularly like that, and so he asked all of his buddies, hey guys, what do you think I should do? And once you know who he listened to, he listened to his buddies, and because of that, that's why in the Old Testament, Israel became the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Division happened with God's people because he listened to the wrong counsel. And he didn't listen to the, to the wise, godly Older counsel. That's why we love this phrase here at our church. We're going to gear to the young, but lean into the wisdom of the old. This is very important. Gear to the young, lean into the wisdom of the old. So what that means for us is that our church is going to have somewhat of a younger feel. So that young people and the younger generations can feel like, okay, I, this is, I, can, I can connect with this. Because if we were to gear to the old, there's a lot of young people who are like, eh, you know, that's not for me. But if we gear to the young, we can reach all generations as we have maturity and understanding the whole reason, the purpose behind it. Because we do want to be a generational church. That's the whole purpose of this statement. Gear to the young, but lean into the wisdom of the old. And so, if you hear that statement and you think, good, this church is all about me, I'm young, and they're gearing to me. You're thinking about that statement the wrong way. Your job is to lean into the wisdom of the old. That's how you need to hear that statement. Oh, okay. Lean into the wisdom of the old. Okay, so if you feel like you're on the older end of the spectrum... Your job is to not say, well, it's about time somebody started asking me what needs to happen around here. I got a few opinions of my own. I can tell people this is how the church needs to be. By golly. I got some wisdom that needs to be shared. 
That's not the posture, the attitude we want to have. The posture and attitude you need to have is geared to the young. And that helps us make sure we are a generational church. But young people, hear me. It is so important to lean into the wisdom of the old. It's so important that you listen to people that have gone before you, people who have been through it, people who have been there, done that, and they got way more experience and wisdom than you do. Throughout all my years in youth ministry, I was always fascinated, humored, and saddened by all the teenagers that would only seek dating advice from their friends. And that's just wisdom right there, right? Should I date? Should I not date? Who should I date? I got a list of five people, and who should I ask? I'll ask my friends. Because they know exactly what you should do. <laughs> they know exactly how you should date and who you should date and how this all works, right? Okay? It's always like, oh, you know, we end up in these scenarios and it's like, okay, who told you you should do this? Oh, that's why we're here in this conversation right now. Okay, I get it now. It's so important that we listen to people that are beyond where we're at, that have walked through things where we're at right now. Turn a wealth of wisdom and understanding and knowledge you know, when you got little kids, it's fun to talk to other parents who got little kids, but so often you just need to talk to other people that have gone through it too to give us perspective. It's amazing how we can actually just start going to like-minded people. It doesn't end with teenagers, by the way. I mean, let's just not just knock the teenagers. As adults, we go into people that think like us, that have the same values. They don't disagree with us. And so I go to them and I seek counsel from them. And they're not giving me maybe good, broad, general wisdom because they're maybe struggling with the same thing. You ever heard that phrase, water seeks its own level? You ever heard that? It's amazing how all the bitter people can find other bitter people. And they can ask them, what's your advice on how I should live this? And what do this? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm upset about that too, you know? And it's like bitterness attracts bitterness. Unfortunately, we got to be careful. It's amazing how the gossips can get together and start helping each other out and make and help each other with decisions. We've got to be very careful about who we're going to to seek guidance and counsel in life. Friends, it makes a big, big difference. Godly counsel, it'll protect us, it'll correct us, it'll help guide us in our life. We need godly counsel. There's a great story in Exodus 18. Moses is you know, leading the nation of Israel, the people of God, through the wilderness at this time, and he is handling every single issue and problem by himself that shows up within this nation of people wandering around the wilderness, and there's about a million people. That's a lot. Everybody comes to Moses, and so father-in-law, Jethro, watches this, and he comes to Moses, and he says, what you're doing is not good. You need to delegate people, let people handle this, okay, set this up, put up a structure and a system so that you're not doing it all. You're going to kill yourself, Moses. So Moses listens to the wise counsel of his father-in-law, Jethro, sets up this new system, and it's really good for everybody, and especially Moses, because that was about to kill him. It just shows us the importance of listening to the right people. Who do you have in your life? Who do you listen to? I can honestly stand before you and say, there's no way I could make it in life without godly people. This last year especially, as challenging and crazy as it was, as we're all trying to navigate a first ever for us. How do we live through a pandemic? I don't know. Read about the Spanish flu in 1917, but that was a similar but still different. And man, I, there was like seven pastors I constantly talked to. So many conversations with 
you know, our leadership team, seeking counsel from them, seeking counsel from our board, just always like, I need help, I need input, input. It's like, and even then it was still a struggle. I can't function without seeking godly counsel. I used to not do it, and I learned that it wasn't beneficial for me. And so now I just, like, I believe in it so much, guys, I have paid people to have time with them so they'll speak into my life. That's how much I believe in godly counsel. And maybe you need to pay someone to speak good counsel into your life. You and I need the right people speaking into us. And I've seen people throughout the years make horrible decisions because they didn't ask anybody or they went to the wrong people. Wisdom is found in a multitude of counselors, wise, godly counselors. This last year, a lot of people made lots of crazy decisions. Maybe you've done it. Maybe you've seen it. Thankfully, God's grace is there in all of this, but I think people made a lot of decisions that were way too emotional, and in the end, they're going to regret it. And they're going to look back and say, "Ah, I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't good. And here's the deal. There's this principle that I think is so important that applies. Maybe we should have talked more about this this last year. But it's this principle called HALT. You ever heard this before? HALT. Don't ever make a decision, a big decision in life, when you are feeling hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Has anybody in the last year ever felt hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Come on, there it is. HALT. It's a phenomenal principle. It's a life principle. Don't ever make decisions, especially big decisions, when you're hungry. You're like, Lord knows when you're hungry physically, like it changes you, right? Some of you slip into hangry. It's not good. It's not pretty. You're going to do dumb things. If you're shopping when you're hangry, it is really bad. But we can also be hungry emotionally, and that can really lead us to dark places too. Angry. That can lead us into sinful places and bad places. Don't make big decisions when you're angry, when you're feeling lonely. Loneliness leads us to places where we're going to try to fill that void in, in maybe wrong and bad places. When you're tired, when you're exhausted. All of these things, guys, halt. Apply this to your life. This is like wisdom right here. Don't make decisions And if you're in this and you have to make a decision, this shows the importance of godly, wise counsel. Because you're in this fog, you're seeking clarity, you're like, I don't know, I'm I'm struggling to discern the voice of God and the will of God. Help me. What have you done? If you were me, how would you handle this? It's why it's so important that we have godly counsel. And what I've learned is that in order to have godly counsel, we need to have humility and teachability. Do you have that in your life? Humility, teachability. Because that's what destroys the pride that gets in the way from listening and growing. Pride is a blocker. Pride holds us back. Pride will hinder us from experiencing the will of God and discerning what he has for us. Teachability and humility are two of the most important characteristics I think you and I should have in our life. Are you teachable? Are you humble? And what I've learned is some of the best counsel I've received in my life was when I received counsel that I did not want to hear. It did not feel good at the time. I even disagreed with it, or I felt like they're just squelching my dreams. Like, I got dreams from God. How how dare you say that? Like, this is from God. He's like, maybe it's not. Okay. All right, keep going. Talk, you know, it's, it's, you have a hard time swallowing things that sometimes people are disagreeing with you on. 
It's good because at the very least, it forces you and I to really, really, really wrestle with what should I do here? And what I found is sometimes it helps me kind of steer a little bit over here because I was missing a few things that I needed to know. Do you have godly people, godly counsel you can go to in your life? I pray that you do because it will save you. I'm saddened by the number of people that don't ask the right counsel in their life when it comes to decisions. We think we're adults. We gotta figure this out. We're, we're too prideful, right? I, don't, I shouldn't ask. I'm embarrassed to ask. I should know. Here's the deal. We don't know. And that's okay. That's okay. So as you and I grow in discovering God's plan for our life or his will for our life, I think these three things right here, these are the the dominant ways that God leads us and guides us. Holy Spirit, Word of God, and godly counsel. Those three, over and over again, more than anything else God has used in my life to help me discern decisions and God's plan and where to go and, and how to navigate my life. Those three are so important. That's why I start here. The next six that we're gonna tackle in the coming weeks are very good, very important, and some of them will bring even more clarity for you in how to discern God's will. But I've found that these are the three most dominant ways that God will help lead us and guide us. But let's not forget, what is God's will for our life? First and foremost, to know him and make him known. Don't ever lose sight of that, friends. Don't ever take your focus off of knowing him, knowing God, being in relationship with him, and making him known. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray. Why don't we just take a moment? Let's just close our eyes here. And let's just pause and say, okay, God, what would you speak to me in light of this message here today? God, what do you have for me? What do I need to do? How do I walk in obedience to this? What is it you want me to do, Lord? And I think it's so important for us to pause, for us to have these moments. Just listen. And all we're doing is opening up our heart to God, open up our mind to him. Maybe you've never sensed God speak to you. Just do that right now. Open up your heart and your life to him. I'm available, God. I'm here. I'm open. What do I need to know and what do I need to do in light of this message today? For most of us, it really just starts in just relax in him, trust in him, focus on knowing him. Make that the pursuit of your heart. Know him, make him known. Put your trust in him, Proverbs 3. He'll make your past right. He's gonna show you, he will lead you. Just focus on first things first, trust in him. Maybe you're here and you've never put your trust in him and I would encourage you to do that today. Make today the day you say yes to Jesus and begin this life-changing relationship with him. Maybe you need to come back to him. You need to rededicate your life, your heart to him. Do that today. Put your trust fully and completely in the Lord. And in what Jesus did for you on the cross, he took your sins to the cross. He offers forgiveness. He offers freedom. You ask for forgiveness. He will give you that. 
and you can step into that relationship with him forever. Remember, this is God's will for you, to believe in the son, Jesus, and to have eternal life through him. This is God's will for you. So some of you today are going to make that decision for the first time or maybe rededicate your life. Come back to him. Come on, let's do that today. Step into the beginning of God's will again in your life. Know him, to know him, to be in relationship with him. Know him and make him known. Would you, with your eyes closed, just pray right now. Pray this prayer. God, who do I know that needs to hear this message? Who is it that comes to your mind there? Because we want to not just keep this to ourselves. We want to be people who are open about our faith, share our faith, talk about our faith so that other people can experience the great plans that God has for their life. Who is it? Come on, reach out, share with someone this week. Invite them to come and listen. Invite them to watch online. Just reach out to them and invite them to hear this message somehow, some way, so that God can move and work in their life. Let's not keep this to ourselves. And this is just you and I walking in obedience here, just like trying to obey in light of what God is speaking to us in this series. Let's walk in obedience. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us the strength and the anointing to walk in obedience and trusting in you fully and completely. I pray for that person that has never accepted you, never put their trust in you, Lord, I pray that they would realize today you're real, you love them, and if they ask for forgiveness, you will forgive them. Their past is forgiven. It's set free. It's behind them. you got a future and a hope for them, and it's found in relationship with you. Lord, I pray that that would happen today, that people would find salvation in you today, in Jesus' name. Let them put their trust in you, I pray, God, for the first time or maybe coming back to you Let it be, God, by your spirit. For the rest of us, God, we need your spirit to move and work. Lead us, guide us. God, we want to be at the center of your will because outside of your will, we miss out on all that you have for us. Lord, help us, lead us, guide us to the center of your will. And Lord, I even know that there's so many people right now that are struggling, they're confused, they're broken, they're hurting, things are going on in their life. So God, I just pray over these next few moments that you'd minister to them. Holy Spirit, minister to them. Strengthen them, encourage them, meet them right where they're at. I pray that the words of this song would bring healing and refreshing and encouragement to them. I pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.